Hello and welcome to the tenth installment of our game weekly series. Uh, my name is Thomas, and I'm Harry, and this is the SFFC podcast. Um, so, how did you do, Harry? Uh, I've had better weeks. Uh, I think this is the fourth time in the last five game weeks where my total point score for the weekend came in uh, under fifty. Um, however. Um, looking back, you know, particularly the highlights and some of the statistics, I think this week uh, I suffered a fair bit of negative variance. I was quite unlucky um, not to haul with my captain. Boys hit the bar and uh, St. Mirren recorded an expected goals of 0.1 um, but wiped out two of my clean sheets. So I think potentially on another weekend in an alternative universe, it may have gone a lot better. Thomas, yourself? Yeah, I mean... I did a bit bit of a wild move this week, taking out Tav. Didn't pay off, but uh, 94th minute, come dog goal, ruined two clean sh- sheets for me in a game which Hearts realistically should have won 3 or 4 nil. Well, like going back to the Rangers result from last week where Hearts did the same thing to them that Dundee did to, did to Hearts, um, they paid for not finishing their chances throughout the game um, and gave uh, Dundee a route back into it. Yeah, I mean, um, that's, I've got my notes up, my notes on my, my, my desk here, and one of the notes from the game is Hart's victim of not taking chances. Before we go into looking at the games, how about we break down our scores, Thomas? So tell me, where did your points come from? What total did you finish on? Um Defence was abysmal this weekend. I didn't keep a single clean sheet across all of the back six. In fact, Tanzo got me a minus one because he didn't even play the ninety minute or play the sixty minutes required to get his extra point. Um, Smith and Halkett's um, clean sheets were bust by that Jason Cummings goal. Then Xander Clark and McCart came up against Celtic and conceded twice. So Clark got one because he made. Uh, three saves, but apart from that, conceding two goals means that they would have got another. He would have got none, none points otherwise, and McCart got none points. Um, in midfield, my Celtic assets did all right. Captain Jota returned four, doubling it to eight. Turnbull got me seven, and Furuhashi got me five. But then Vice Captain Boyle only got me one. He was pretty abysmal this week, and. Aribo got me two. Then up front, I had Boyce and Watt. They, Watt pretty much on his own saved this game week for me from being a dreadful game week to an okay game week. And then I had Ramsey on the bench. Why don't you detail your moves, Thomas? Um, what did you end up going for? So I took out Tav for Halkit and then brought in Furuhashi and Aribo. For... Uh, Charles Cook and McGuinness. So that was a minus four because you had rolled the transfer from the week Correct. previous. Okay, so you finished on how many points was it, sorry? 35, including the minus four. Okay, so 39 minus four. Yourself? Um, I, yeah, as I said, finished 44. And um, ultimately, you know, whilst that's not great, you know, that's one return away from, you know, maybe a 50-point game week. Um, and ultimately, I think uh, to a certain extent, I've been quite hard done by here. Um, so I look through it. Yeah, Jack Annex one pointer against the Rangers. That's to be ex- expected. Um, but Tav and Balgan to return me a total of seven points. I feel that is, it feels a bit harsh. Um, Tav created a number of opportunities and had a good one himself. Um, yet only 
provided one assist, got one bonus point, um, and kept no clean sheets. And then uh, Balgon kept no clean sheets for two points. Um, across the defence, Palm again returned me a measly two points with Calvin Ramsey. Again, another area where in which I was unlucky this week. He got an assist in the first half, but um, uh, but I think pull up through injury. You know, one could argue that if he stays on the pitch, he gets the clean sheet points. And I, you know, considering the number of key passes the player puts in um, throughout the course of ninety minutes, probably a bonus point. But Harry, if I was on the uh, the pitch, I could have also kept a clean sheet and then got a couple of bonus very points. True, very true. Very true. My passes I made. Very true. My point is, is my team, whilst I didn't make that many points, is not in bad shape. Unlike yours, um, Martin so, Boyle returned me one points. Um, however, I did not captain or vice captain him. My vice captain this week was uh, Kyogo Furuhashi, who did not return. Um, so uh, five points for him there. Um, I brought in Cameron Devlin. He returned me only three points. Charles Cook won a penalty um, for four. And then Captain Boyce um, returned me a total of eight points, um, which was disappointing. And again, going back to talking about how I was unlucky, cannoned a header from about the penalty spot or maybe even inside the six-yard box um, off the bar a couple of inches lower. And that's a you know, 16, 18-point captaincy pick there. But hey-ho, we march on and into the next game week. Before we do that, Thomas, should we break down the fixtures from a fantasy football perspective? Sure, let's go for it. Here you, uh, should we start off at Pataudry, where I was at at the weekend? Let's go for it. Let me flick to it in my notes first. Okay, so it was second on the running order for sports scene. Go for it. Aberdeen 1, Hibs nil. Thomas, you are our correspondent on the ground, a <laughs> man in the stands. I was actually in the second row, so I had a front pretty much... Second row seat to the game. It was, well, I will say from a non-fantasy football point of view and just from a human level, it was nice to be back in a football ground for the first time in nearly two years. So that, that was that was nice. But apart from that, all you really, really need to take from this game was Hibs are pish and Aberdeen were slightly less so. I mean, to be fair to Aberdeen, at points they looked good. Uh unfortunate with injuries uh, I think they had to make two substitutions in the first half um, with Calvin Ramsey and Gallagher both coming off two defenders too yep. but somewhere where they're already light and then McKenzie didn't feature uh, and apparently he was in hospital on Thursday getting a checkup or something like that oh, no, he took a knock on Thursday and he's getting a checkup in the hospital and Christian Marie- Ramirez returned it seems like he's going to be the only player to do that saying that watching marley watkins he looks like a very good footballer um but never sort of really seems near to getting a goal or an assist he was always like the player that looks like he was going to get the second assist but martin boyle and kevin nisbet two very highly owned players in the game looked absolutely dreadful yeah. Barely got involved in the game. Yeah, and then I don't know how, what percentage ownership is he is, but also Darren McGregor looked every part the thirty-six-year-old he is, and <laughs> eventually I, got sent off. I imagine his percentage ownership is very, very low, and I don't um, blame people. Yeah, um, but no, I, my assessment of the game is quite is, is somewhat similar. It looks like Aberdeen were very strong in the first half, and then definitely sat in in the in the second half. In the whole game, there was only two shots on target both for Aberdeen 
um, and only 11 shots throughout the 90 minutes. Um, so almost one every, what is that, nine minutes or so, one every eight minutes. It wasn't a super entertaining, well, it was quite entertaining, but the pace for the first 60, 75 minutes was very, very high. So I could potentially understand why some of the players started tiring. Uh, something else I noticed from watching the highlights and also listening to it on the radio, um, it sounded like whilst the team sheets and stuff going about on social media and on SofaScore have Aberdeen Downers playing a 4-3-3, it looked like they were playing a sort of like lopsided three at the back with McCrory, yes, down as the left back, but not really venturing forward whilst Calvin Ramsey was getting really high and wide on the right-hand side. And I ultimately think this, I mean, we talked about this heading into the game. We, we thought this might be the solution to Aberdeen's problems is going free at the back. However, that maybe is going to be difficult to do now that they're missing one of their, what was one of two fit natural centre-backs. So only Bates is left. McCrory yep. can play there. And, and that's about it. And he was playing as the, in inverted commas, left back. And he was, like, don't get me wrong, he wasn't great, but he also wasn't bad. Yeah, I think this change in shape as well really suits Ramsey and his play style. I think that's good news for his owners, provided he's not injured. I think we're still awaiting you know, confirmation on that. Um, yeah, for me, someone that really caught the eye as well was Ramirez. He got his fifth uh, league goal of the season, um, but not one was he um, um, getting on the end of opportunities. He, it looked like he was sort of involved in the build-up and creating opportunities for other players. Yeah, he looked, from the eye test, he looked very decent. Yeah. Um, but yeah, again, getting in those vital positions, which ended up to him leading, leading, ended up to him scoring the winner and giving Aberdeen a very much needed three points. Yeah. Um, but to echo your thoughts on Hibs, um, no shots on target, only two shots in the box. Um, and to say they didn't create a lot going forward is a complete understatement. I had considered bringing in Nisbet game weeks 12 to 15 for Hibs' very, very kind fixture run that sees them play Ross County, Livingston, Dundee and St. Johnson but I think I'm going to scrap those for now. Um, it seems like a lot of money and an absolute gamble. Yeah and I think there's significantly better options at cheaper prices. Yep. Which brings me nicely onto my next point. I had a look at the fantasy football Scotland standings for points on strikers. I sent this photo to you today. To my mind, Boyce and Boyce was head and shoulders above the rest. Whereas, in actuality, he finds himself, yes, of course, in first place for points scored amongst attackers, um, so far this season, uh, on sixty. But in a close second is Tony Watt on fifty four, followed even more closely, even closer, by um Christian Ramirez, who's on fifty two points. So, um, hypothetically, if one of them was to return next week and Boyce was not to play as a result of the calf injury he pulled up with, um. In the, heart, in the Hearts game this weekend, um, which we'll talk about in a second, um, one of those two could skip by him. Yeah, and I mean, me and Harry have been banging on about it all season, how you shouldn't waste your money up top. It seems like some strikers have sort of come into the fray. Yeah. At first, it seemed like it was only going to be Boyle, uh, Boyle Boyce, mm -hmm. that was worth your money, but Ramirez is everything goal scoring going forward for Aberdeen at the moment and his position is not necessarily up for up for competition I, I mean I don't think uh, Jet is a the kind of striker that can play up front on his own I think Watkins um, Molly Watkins he sort of plays like left forward as opposed to an out and out striker so yeah sort of sat deeper and further out to the left so I think his place is safe and I, honestly if I was on a wild card I don't know if I'd bring him in for the Rangers game but ultimately you know game week 16 
yeah, 16 to 25. They only play the old firm once. And the fixture run looks really nice, so I would absolutely go for him, probably over, over Rofi. I think from a fantasy football perspective, that's enough on this fixture. Is there anything you want to mention before going on? Uh, Something I think I like makes my fantasy football brain tick a little bit is seeing the way that Ramirez went over to uh, Glass to like celebrate his goal and like how all the players went. And it's clear that, the, that he has a buy-in from his squad and that potentially Aberdeen have endured just a rough patch. Yeah, yeah, and we I mean, could see them moving back towards a team that you can rely on for points. Yeah, I mean, Dave, Dave, we keep talking about it. Dave Cormack was very vocal in his defence of glass, and it seems like the Aberdeen players are also with him on that. Yeah. Like The entire squad pretty much went over and celebrated with glass, and yeah, I mean, I feel they've been unlucky over the last... They look far more solid too, so that make, makes me think about their defensive assets. Um, and when, yeah, when... When Constantine's back, don't know when that is. Aberdeen could be very solid defensively. I think so. Right, what we'll do is, so that I don't get myself confused flicking through my book here, we'll just go back to the sports scene running order um, and talk about the game we alluded to previously, which saw Hearts uh, draw one each with Dundee FC at home. Um, Hearts lined up in the typical 3-4-2-1 with Smith and Cochrane playing sort of out of position as wing-backs and then Mackay and Woodburn also sort of out of position playing as left and right forward just off the striker. Dundee lined up in a 4-3-3 with a McCowan, uh, Griffiths and McMullen front three and um, this, they, like to me, I, I thought I was seeing double. Like the, the, This game to me looked exactly like the Rangers-Hearts game in with regards to you know possession, chances created, scoring opportunities for one team, not finishing them and allowing the inverted commas weaker side an opportunity to grab a goal at the death, which happened ultimately. Yep. Um, Dundee didn't look great, but managed to scrape a point in. That's four points from six against Aberdeen and Hearts. Yeah, I mean, it's not too bad. I mean, Aberdeen were kind of crap going before this, so I mean, take from that what you will. But a point against a team that could have gone top and did go top on goal difference but could have hit themselves a bit queer um, is no laughing matter, especially at Tynecastle. But again, Hearts were very unlucky to only take one point and, as I said earlier, um, fell victim to not taking their chances and then in my notes again I've got poor goal to concede it looked like it was almost a Craig Gordon blunder if yeah, anything it's just like a long, long throw in no one like no Hearts defender got to it first it fell to to, to Cummings and he buried it mm-hmm. Um, I will say from the Hearts lineup, someone that really did catch my eye um, again was um Barry Mackay uh, was Barry Mackay, yes, um, playing in a very, very advanced role um, and created plenty of chances, um, uh, recording five key passes uh, across uh, his, I think, seventy-seven minutes of game time, and um, he's clearly the uh, the winger of choice of Nielsen um, with Woodburn and uh, GMS sharing minutes almost exactly a half each, and then. Um, Mackay not getting substituted until the 77 minutes, I think. If you want to, if you're 
you know, have your eye on an attacking asset from Hearts for the run of favourable fixtures that they've got coming up. St. Johnson away, Aberdeen away, Dundee United at home, Motherwell away, St. Mirren at home. Whilst not completely favourable, I do think a team of Hearts' strength will score goals and beat, you know, at least three of those sides. Um, he could be the go-to guy. It is worth noting he's potentially more of a creator than a goal scorer, um, having registered, uh, I think it was no shots on target. What do you think, Thomas? I'm in exactly the same boat. What I will say is Ben Woodburn looked like he was getting in some very central and very advanced positions and in his 45 minutes got an assist and had three shots, which isn't too bad for a player who's meant to be a left winger. So... I think the key thing though for me is the first thing that you said is forty-five minutes. Yep, and I mean, like, I'm not going to argue against that. That's not great, but if he were to advance up to those seventy, eighty, ninety minutes, he would definitely be be someone who I would consider bringing in. But that might not be for a while yet. What I would say is, all f- like you know, all of this considered, these wingers are far less than with uh, Boyce out of the team. Um, according to our friend Hamish, on at uh, who's uh, one of the hosts of at uh, at is at Hoofball Pod on Twitter, yeah, the Hoofball Podcast. Um, he says that Robbie Nielsen has come out and said that um, Boyce is fifty fifty for the game on Wednesday, which, which means is about as useful as a chocolate teapot. Absolutely, it means it means nothing to us fantasy football managers. Um, potentially only. We may not captain him ahead of this week because it's you know, there is a bit of a risk there, definitely a coin toss. Um, but if it's 50-50 for Wednesday, then... Why risk it? That too, but it's looking good for Saturday, so would not necessarily be a transfer out for me? Nope. Okay, fine. And anything from the Dundee side that you like to look off, Thomas? Um, not really. I didn't see any... Like I didn't see anything special from them. Um, I think Ashcroft missed... Not necessarily a sitter, but could easily have scored from like I think it was a free kick earlier on in the game but skied it yeah it was, it was ruled out of our side as well um, and yeah I think they look like they're benefiting from the return of Charlie Adam that ball was an indirect free kick from him and his, his set piece ability is undoubtable and I think him being in the side makes uh, the forward players far more valuable do you think Cummings goal means that uh, he starts for those who are for whatever reason on Griffiths at the moment I just I feel Lee Griffiths is just a better striker and I feel that his quality will see him in a bit unless he keeps not scoring um, but apart from that I've not really got much to say on the Dundee side I still wouldn't really you've got McMullen or is it no I would. I had considered him last no. week but I ended up going with Devlin yeah I mean I, I wouldn't still wouldn't go anywhere near that team I, I'm in this. I'm a yeah. I'm in the same boat as you. I think I'm not interested. In fact, on the uh, on the inverse, I would consider targeting them for captaincy or vice captaincy. Correct. Most weeks, at least. Right. Moving on, then, Thomas. We will go for um, Dundee United versus Motherwell, which saw the Tangerines relent two one winners. Um, Dundee United set up in their sort of typical four three three slash four five one, um, with a front three of Niskanen. Clark and on the right wing was Pollitt. Uh, yeah, Peter Pollitt. Um, whilst Motherwell also set in the four three three, so Kevin Van Veen back in the side um, with Watt shifting to the left hand side, which I thought was kind of strange, Thomas, considering how much success he's had through the middle. Yeah, I mean, 
SofaScore has it as he was playing central, but didn't see much of him central during the highlights. No, I um, I, I have him. Yeah, I'm sorry, I have him down as uh, yeah, taking up sort of left spaces. And when I was listening to the commentary, it sounded like he was doing that. And the only thought I could, only reason I, I guess maybe. Um, Alexander highlighted, you know, their right back position as a, a point of weakness. You know, put the big Tony Watt on the right back to try and get some joy there. But ultimately, I don't think it worked out. No. Um, still interesting to know. I've got here that he got in one decent position. Like he, I think he had like a, a chance where he should have scored pretty much. Yep. So yeah, looking at it um, from the perspective of underlying statistics and expected data, it it was on balance quite an even game. Um, Shots on shots and shots on target go ten and four for Dundee United and eleven and five for Motherwell. Both had the same number of shots in the box. Dundee United created the one extra big chance, which ultimately was the difference. Um, and yeah, from a fantasy football perspective, it looks like, um, at least in the case of Dundee United, it's the defenders, um, you know, where the points are to be found. Um, this week it was Edwards and Mulgrew hauling both with I think it was 13 and 14 points and arguably you could consider them unlucky to not have you know to unlucky to have not gotten more um, the penalty in my opinion was not a penalty um, and that puts them on almost what a 40 point haul for the game week yeah um, nonetheless it was a Tony Watt penalty win, win and, and goal yep. so um, I think what I will say sorry from the Dundee side or Dundee United side even, is that Charlie Mulgrew wasn't the one that took the free kick. Which he, one? He did the one, I mean, obviously he didn't score from the free kick, but he didn't, I don't think he, he took any free kicks, did he? I think for the first Edwards goal, nope. did he not? He took the free kick, it came back out, and he was in that position, and then uh -huh. he fired the ball back in. Maybe I thought he just got the ball, picked up the ball and skinned someone, and then uh. fired it in. I don't know. Just something to it. Yeah, so I think what happened was is he had taken the free kick from that position. It had not gone well. Like the ball came back out of the box. He found it on the right wing position. Edwards was still up for the free kick. He beats a player, puts the ball back in and um, Edwards' bullet header gets in the goal. Um, I would also say um, that they are not the only Dundee United defender worth looking at. I think it's uh, Scott McMahon is uh, another one worth considering playing in that left back role. Um, he recorded two key passes, uh, two interceptions and three tackles, and he plays very advanced down that left-hand side. So if if I was to be picking a Dundee United defender, it would be either Edwards or or Mc, uh, McMahon, just based on the fact that Dundee seem to be very much overperforming their underlying statistics. Uh, underlying, yeah, underlying statistics and expected data. So I, I think some degree of regression is on the cards, and I wouldn't want to invest too heavily in that, you know, in a team that... Is, has that coming down the line but again you know I think whilst yes they are overperforming the expected data they look fantastic again this weekend yeah I mean very much worth the salt in this win defensively they looked pretty solid and would have kept another clean sheet I think they're still top of the clean sheet list of the clean sheet league I think they're one ahead of Celtic now and then Celtic are one ahead of Hearts um and Benji Segrist, from what I saw, put in a very, very solid performance, apart from that contentious penalty concession, uh, making some very, very decent saves. So, yeah, I mean, if you were to include Dundee defenders, 
uh, or Seagrist in your team, I wouldn't blame you. And again, I keep singing his praises. Niskanen seems to be still getting into quite a few dangerous positions. Uh, and yeah. Returned an assist this weekend too. Yep. So, I mean... Squared the ball to that's, Freeman. That's last weekend. Yes, it was. So, yeah. Because um, this was the two defenders linking up for the goals. Correct. Um, but, yeah. Getting in several dangerous positions and looks decent going forwards. Um, I would say if you remove the attacking returns from what and the two defenders there were no real standout performers from a fantasy football perspective um, but what I will say my only conclusion from this are f- in the case of Dundee United defence is where the value lies and in the case of Monday, Monday United in the case of Motherwell in the case of Motherwell I think when it comes to the three strikers Kevin Van Veen Kane Woolery and Watt Watt is at this point the go-to considering the fact that um, he's on a bit of form and he's their designated penalty taker I, I think you just can't look past him Marching on Thomas Celtic versus St Johnson what have you got for us? Um, Celtic again looked very decent going forwards um, and it's interesting to note that when he's on the pitch it's Juranovic that's taking the penalties almost not necessarily like Tav, but similar to Tav from last year. So he is someone that you could definitely sink some value into. Um, Carl Starfelt, I believe, on some um, statistics websites, had him down as having three tackles and three interceptions and keeping a clean sheet. So that's a decent points haul. And then Georges Giacomakis getting off, uh, getting his first Celtic goal is... Nothing to be frowned at. Um, Unless you are a Kyogo or a Bada owner, I think that uh, Gia Kumakis playing through the middle puts... Uh, or not, I think. I, we saw at the weekend, Gia Kumakis playing through the middle meant that um, Kyogo was somewhat sacrificed in the fact that he was put into a position he's less suited to play on the wing and saw a Bada drop to the bench on, you know, well and truly. That was coming, I think, based on the fact that he's so young and has played so many games in a row. Um, but maybe with Forrest coming back, his position becomes somewhat rot- rotatable. Yeah. Uh, on the other side, again, St. Johnston looked relatively crap going forwards. People who've bought Chris Kane, what are you doing? Hoofball <coughs> <coughs> pod. Um, yeah, I'm, I have... In my notes, I've got notes for every single team. For St. Johnson, I've got NA. I think that when you go to the old firm away from home, by and large, that is the case. There's not much that really could be said. Yeah, just weren't very good whatsoever. I mean, and as you say, that's always just going to happen when you're against an old firm team away. But yeah, I still like, even excluding that, St. Johnson just don't look that great. They don't look as good as they did last season. No, I think they've slid down to 10th place now as well. Um, so things are looking a bit worrying at the moment. Um, after they didn't pick up you know, the points they're expected to in the opening five games of the season, um, hopefully, I mean, I say hopefully, in your case, um, owning McCart and Clark, you hope that their season starts to be turned around a little bit. Yeah, Let's or- have a look at their upcoming fixtures. They face Hearts at home, Dundee United away, St. Mirren at home, Rangers away, Hibs at home. Like, that's a tough run. I don't see yeah. a lot of points in there for them, to be quite honest. 
Um, and for a team that's meant to be, or meant in inverted commas, relatively defensively resolute, conceding f- close to 3xG in one game is very, very bad. Yeah, it's not great. Um, but yeah, if you if I was on a wild card, I don't think I'd have either McCart or Clark in it because they're the run that they're about to go on is honking. Yeah. On the flip side, there's a couple of performances that uh, I want to pick out. I noticed, you know, both on the eye test and having had a look at some of the statistics. Um, the first one is a player I sold and have regressed it every day since. Um, Turnbull, um, looking like a real creative force in this fixture. He um, made six key passes uh, throughout the game. Um but it's worth noting that he took far fewer short, far fewer shots on goal than he does typically, and didn't register register uh, a single one on target. Um, something to note for Ralph's owners is that even though Juranovic is back, he still seems to have that right back spot. Not necessarily nailed, but he started there and played there. So and assisted Giacomakis's goal. I thought he put in a very strong performance in the final third of the pitch. Um, he returned one assist, created two big chances, played two key passes, and kept a clean sheet. Um, so he was my highest point scorer for the week. Um, yeah, something that I was speaking to Harry about off air. Just if you're unsure whether to have, I mean, if you don't have any Celtic attackers or midfielders, what are you doing? Your rank will be a five digits probably. <laughs> yeah, um, but. I, I was reading an article on it and Celtic have created the most big chances. In second place, I think it was like Aberdeen, Hibs and Rangers have created 10, while Celtic are on a staggering 21, which is between two and three big chances a game and more than double second place. So if you're not sure whether to get either Celtic midfielders or maybe someone like Ralston or Juranovic in, I wouldn't blame you for pulling the trigger. Like they sound like they're all very, very solid investments, and I can see them almost always returning in almost every game. That's about it for me on that fixture. Yep. And moving on to the next one, we have Ross County versus Livingston in the blockbuster fixture of the week. At this point, Thomas, I don't know what Livingston have to do to get on the to get like, move themselves at the running order or on uh, sports scene. I think two weeks in a row they have been last and two weeks in a row they've scored three goals. Um, so all the way from home. So I think they're just rooted to the bottom of uh, the highlights reel. Um, what did you make of the match, Thomas? Um, in my notes, which I've alluded to earlier several times, but um, I've got Bruce Anderson, question mark, Odin Bailey, question mark. Because is that not twice in two weeks that they've both returned goals? Yes, and Bruce Anderson has four attacking returns in his last two fixtures. So, I mean, I think Livingston were underperforming and I'm actually kicking myself for not seeing this turn in fortune, especially since they were playing Ross County, who have looked relatively bad. Um and for a team that recorded, I think it was close to, again, close to three XG, to end up losing is very, very not good. I would say they did concede three goals from an XG of less than one, 
Um, but I wonder if that then falls into the category of not just being unlucky, but um, a number of individual errors. You know, the goalkeeper didn't make a single save on Sofa score. He's down as making zero saves, um, which is is quite is quite concerning. Yeah, and would I not be right in saying that his Sofa score rating was actually five, like below six? So that's like he would have been better not showing up almost. So yeah. Concerns for Rig Malky there. Yep. Um, on your point about kicking yourself with regards to not picking up a Livingston player, um, because you saw them, um, you know, their performances starting to reflect their expected data. Before this happened, you couldn't have picked where the players were coming, like where the points were going to come from. Bruce Anderson had been dropped to the bench with a midfielder starting in his place, and Odin Bailey was yet to return this season. Um, but I would say on the whole, uh, Livingston are looking far better. And um, yeah, they find themselves in ninth place on 10 points, having won three of the last five. Um, I think on the flip side of that coin at this point, I mean, this falls into like, so are you now, not mind then, starting to load up your team with Ross County players? Because according to a particularly popular expected points table floating around on Twitter, they're in sixth as of this week, whilst in real life they're 12th. Because my answer is absolutely not. Yeah. Um, whilst I that. agree they were unlucky to come away with you know no points this week, and you know their wingers Hungbo and Charles Cook look great. They have the worst defensive record in the league, um, with 20, 22 goals conceded, one clean sheet, and not none in the last nine fixtures, and have a choice between Maynard Brewer and Laidlaw as their keeper. I still think they're by far and away best team to target in terms of uh, captaincy or vice captaincy depending on who's playing them and yeah I, I'm I'm in no rush to triple up on a underperforming Ross County yeah I think I now since I took out Charles Cook maybe I think is Monroe who my, who's my cheapy goalkeeper is the only player I have from Ross County and I think it'll probably be staying that way right last game of the weekend saw St. Marin uh, host Rangers, um, where they fell one goal to two. Um, St. Marin started, set out in the same way they have in the last four games, or last three games, including this one, the fourth, um, in the 3-4-2-1, making no changes. Rangers played their 4-4-3, um, with McLaughlin as the only change. Uh, you said 4-4-3. 4-3. Oh, <laughs> Where shall I record from? Rangers lined up. Go. Rangers lined up in their patent 4-3-3 with McLaughlin the only change from last weekend. It looked like to me on the highlights, however, um, at times they were playing almost like a 4 um, with Roof pushing inside and either Arebo or Hagi, um, you know, playing quite high and wide. Um, the match statistics and expected data have Rangers uh, thumping St. Mirren um shots on target uh, shots and shots on target go four two four and two for St. Mirren and nineteen and seven for Rangers. Shots in the box two to Rangers sixteen. Big chances created zero to Rangers two and four corners for St. Mirren to Rangers seven. Um this of all of them was the most sickening flight. I, I can take Boyce's header hitting the bar. I could take Ramsey coming off injured, but I have been so um, bullish with my 
um, support of Rangers defence for fantasy football and to see them concede that wonder goal, like that 30 yard screamer in the first, what, three minutes was just a sickener. For me, it was absolutely fantastic because I'm maybe not been getting slated, but I've been getting told maybe don't do what you're going to do, Thomas, because they play St. Mary next. And then just in the first three minutes, I'm like, <sighs> just from a fantasy football perspective, that was very pleasing for me. Um, do you think I'm still making a mistake doubled up on Rangers defence? Uh, no, because I've. If you double up on the Celtic defence or the Rangers defence, or the Hearts defence even, like I don't think you're making a bad decision. Like The fact that Rangers have kept so few clean sheets is beyond me. I'd like, I, just, I don't understand. I think it's just a bit of negative variance. Yeah, like they, who, they... It's 0.1 XG for the entire game. What do you think Ronan's shot was expected data zero point zero like something three or something yeah like it's... but it couldn't have been more top bins like it was <laughs> right in the corner so you know fair play and I'll take my licks like that's fine forty four points and no Rangers clean sheets is fine but uh, I have some interesting plans in that regard coming up anyways yeah according to the eye test to me I f- it looked like Arebo Hagi and Tav were at the center of everything creative at least going forward for Rangers. Yep. Um, Tavernier's, uh, Tavernier's uh, set piece delivery was excellent this week he found Connor Goldson on a number of occasions from corners and then his cross um, I mean not necessarily set piece but I guess his delivery then his cross for Morales' 100th goal was fantastic too yeah, I mean, perfect area right on his forehead uh, you brought up just a few seconds ago I've got a counter in my in my notes from earlier and I've got Goldson header times three, so that means he was ta- he was targeted three times from set pieces and got on the end of it. So again, if you maybe thought Tav was unreachable with value and you could you were tempted between Juranovic and Goldson, like I mean, I can understand why you're having these difficulties because Goldson getting on the end of three headers and not scoring is again kind of like a little bit unfortunate. Yeah, um, although the third one I think came from a little bit deeper, but. Still, he's he is clearly the Rangers' target from set pieces. Yep, yep. No, I would totally agree. Um, he also registered two shots on target. Um, um so. from Saint Mirren again. This might be me wanting my players to do well. I've got Tanzer is getting in some good positions. He's getting high up the pitch, very high and yeah. wide. And then I think when he's in that high and wide position and he's on the ball, he sort of starts to cut in. So don't know why he came off um, injury. Saying that, there's St. Mirren Twitter account we follow, and they were saying that um, McGrath got stretched from... Um, so the, there was an injury update from the Black and White Army, and it says, Erahan has a hamstring issue and will be seeing a specialist. McGrath stretched from the ball uh, as something went in his hip. No mention about Scott Tanzer. Yeah, so. so I don't know if it was maybe just a, a knock that they didn't want to risk him for the midweek game, or if he just got subbed off for tactical reasons or if it's something more serious. I would say, though, if all three of those players are unavailable, I think that's the three players that Jim Goodwin would want to be available. I think those are three, maybe three of his four or five best players. And to be missing all those three will, you know, see a a swift end to their run of good form. That about rounds it off for me um, for the fixtures from game week 10. Thomas, should we have a look ahead to game week 11 um, through the plan? Like, you know, 
from a perspective of transfer plans. Uh, yeah, sure. Let's go for it. What fixtures are you looking to target this week, Harry? Well, that's the issue, Thomas. There is no standout fixture for me. I don't think any team necessarily has it easy. Um, so I think as a result, um, you know, I guess we're going to... I mean, we might as well bring this up now. Um, Josh underscore footblog asks this weekend... Um, Oh, not this weekend, this game week, sorry. Um, what are your thoughts for captaincy and vice-captaincy, considering the old firm have two relatively tough fixtures? I would actually extend that as far as... Um, well, yeah, Aberdeen have a tough fixture and Hibs have a tough fixture in so much as they're playing the old firm. And then Hearts are playing away at St. Johnson, who we did say are you know, a little bit out of sorts and out of form. Um, but going to McDermott Park, it's not easy. And I think Calm Davidson has you know, a well-drilled side. And with Boyce out of the team potentially too, you know, as a doubt, I'm not comfortable putting either of my you know, C or VC bands on him. I'm, I've got two Hearts defenders, and I, as we've been banging on about, very tempted to put a vice-captain onto one of my two Hearts, asset, or my hearts a, defensive assets because yeah. as a VC... Not not as a captain, just in case it goes horrifically wrong. I think VC is a, a good move in so much as it's quite safe. St. Johnson offer nothing, very little going forward. Um, this is where Kane bags a hat trick, but as a, as a result of me jinxing it. But I think it's a fairly a fairly safe play, but maybe quite astute. And if I had a Hearts defender, I would have got. I'd be doing the same. Mm-hmm. I'm considering CVC Tav and Balgan. They host Aberdeen. At the weekend, and I think whilst maybe we'll see Aberdeen resurge a little bit, you know, a bit buoyant off the back of a good result, I do not see them scoring away at Ibrox. I think that's very unlikely, and I kind of, I don't know. I feel like I don't know what's gotten into me. I feel like taking a bit of a risk this weekend. I think I, I want to back this Rangers defence to the hilt. They really are starting to power as a side. Their back four is almost full strength. I think you know Balgan and Hillander are fairly equitable in terms of quality. And yeah, I I think we're gonna go there. Bold calling Balogun as good as Hollander. I think Hollander's got mistaken him, and I think Balogun is 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 pretty solid and has been since he's come in. I'm not gonna disagree that he's solid, but I wouldn't call him as good as Hollander. Fine, still, uh, I'm consider I'm very strongly considering that. I mean, it's open, so why not take a risk? True, I would also consider. Uh, considering how poor Aberdeen have been recently and then went on to win against Hibs, I can, and, well, from seeing how poor Hibs were and being light at the back with McGregor suspended and is Hanlon still suspended? Unsure, I'd have to check. Um, I can see this being a very, very long 90 minutes for Hibs and Hibs fans. Let's not forget as well, we're only a week removed from then conceding, or just more than a week removed from then conceding three goals at home to Dundee United, who to that point had only scored five goals in eight games. Yeah, so I mean, not looking good for them. So I I'm, maybe wouldn't captain... I'm, I'm in two minds between who I'm captaining and vice-captaining, but I think those would be the two fixtures to target. And it feels weird saying that you should be targeting a Hibs fixture, considering how recently they were very, very good and someone you'd be like, why would you target them? They've just dropped out of the top four for the first time in 14 months, I think was the stat coming off the weekend. But yeah, so not looked convincing. Um, and I also wouldn't blame you if you captained someone like Furuhashi or Jota Turnbull. Um 
I think that's just covered captaincy and vice captaincy. The conclusion there is maybe have a bit of fun with it considering how open it is this week. There is there is no clear choice for me. The only sort of conclusion I'm fairly firm on unless anything does come out is that uh, Boyce is an avoid yep. um, based on the fact that his starting status is in doubt. Something I might also add is could go there with Tony Watt playing at home to St. Mirren. Yeah. And St. Mirren have been dreadful at the back recently. So... Again, if you went with the Motherwell striker as your vice captain, again, I wouldn't try to talk you down from it. And it's a bit, it's a very, very bold move, and it's not something you yep. really consider. They've often. conceded the tied second most goals in the league with 18 in 10 games. So, yeah, I wouldn't fight you too hard on that one. We've talked about captaincy and vice captaincy, Thomas. Um, what about a transfer this week? Are you going to roll or are you going to, are you going to move? I think I've got too many problems in defence. I'll probably move out McCart because they're playing Celtic and they just haven't looked good defence. Like oh, they've looked all right defensively, but just I don't know about. And um, who's coming in then? I don't know. I'm tempted with a Dundee United defender, considering the. I mean, Livingston have looked good recently, but I still think Dundee United look very good defensively. Yourself. I'm awaiting news on Ramsey. I really like the fact that Aberdeen solidified defensively. And yes, they play Rangers, but I think considering how good he has been going forward, if he can start keeping clean sheets, he's a must-have. So I'll hold him if it's very short term, but if he's out for the foreseeable future, it's an absolute no-brainer. He's out, and then most likely... Um, let's go have a look at the fixtures quickly. Who's got a nicer run, Dundee United or Hearts? I mean, immediately it's Dundee United with Livingston and St. Johnson, but I think over the course of, say, five to seven game weeks, it looks to me like maybe Hearts is better. St. Johnson away, Aberdeen away, Dundee United at home, Motherwell away, St. Mary at home, Celtic away. That is tough. That is That is tough. Hmm. I think I'm not going to overthink it this week. I think if that, that that is ultimately where I'd go. A Dundee United defender, probably McCann, or a Hearts defender. I would say Cochrane, cheap wing back out of position. I would go him. If 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 it's confirmed that he is fit, then I will probably look to suck some value, make the same transfer to a Dundee United or um, Hearts defender, but maybe suck some value out of Paul McGinn. Yeah, getting a bit sick and tired of his. He's had four zero pointers this season, and Hibs don't look great. I'm not gonna lie, I completely forgot you had him, and almost completely forgot he was a player because he was out for the past couple of weeks. And no, then, he played. He played this week. Oh yeah, no, but looked invisible this week. Oh, so, okay, I see what you mean. Uh, yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, right, we've gone on a little bit longer than expected. Let's round off with a question here coming in from at Blades Attack on Twitter, who asked, "Have you?" Are you starting to have thoughts about game week 14 yet? And I think he's referring to fixture movement. And my immediate thoughts to this one are not necessarily. And I'm awaiting concrete news on if it's a blank game week, if it is a double game week, who's going to be, what fixtures are available. You know, I'm not going to captain a Celtic midfielder if their double, you know, their their double is um, hearts at home, Rangers away. I mean, yeah, well, you've got two tough fixtures, and like, I wouldn't even like wild card onto a Celtic play. Like, no. you like, we we have too many unknowns to really 
Well, the only thing is, I will say, if the fixtures are there, then I would have, be quite comfortable to use one of my chips on one of the players I have already. I'm quite happy with my squad of players. I think there are players who can haul, and in a double game week, I'd be happy to stick the captaincy, like a triple captaincy on, say, a Boyce or a Furuhashi or even a Tav, considering, you know, with, with the right fixtures, obviously. Thomas, you? Yeah, same boat as you. I mean, like, yeah, we just don't know enough yet to sort of really put anything concrete in so i'm gonna wait a bit i think we'll call it an evening there before we go i think it's worth making everyone um aware that this the reason we're bringing this podcast to you on a monday evening is that the deadline for the next game week comes on the wednesday at 6 45 um we will be back in your headphones uh on Thursday evening, ahead of the weekend's fixtures where uh, the fantasy football Scotland deadline returns to normal with a 2pm on a Saturday, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So we'll see you in a couple of days' time. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at SFFantasy.com. And yes, see you guys again on Thursday. See ya.